to the second episode of Obsessive, the podcast where we dive into the waxing and waning interests of my obsessive mind. This week, we're going to take a look at another one of my recurring obsessions, which is video games. Before we do that, though, I want to introduce a new segment to get us started called Oddly Satisfying. Now, you're probably familiar with the concept of kind of oddly satisfying things, Um But in this segment, each week, myself or in the future, maybe a guest will introduce something that we find oddly satisfying. So these are things that we find on Reddit or Instagram, YouTube or wherever that scratch kind of like a certain itch in our brains. Uh, And this week, I was reminded of one of my favorite uh, or more weird, oddly satisfying interests uh, on the podcast, Jordan Jesse Go. And if you haven't listened to Jordan Jesse Go, it's on the Max Fun Network. It's a really fun podcast. Uh, But the guest for the episode was Guy Branham, who brought up the kind of topic of Japanese tiny cooking videos. So essentially... These are videos, usually of Japanese people, uh, cooking using doll-sized kitchen equipment. Um, There's not usually any music or any sound effects. It's just the sounds of someone using a tea light to boil a very small pot of water in order to make a carbonara or the sounds of a very small piece of chicken frying. Uh, The YouTube channel that I really like is called Miniature Space. Uh, It's one of the first... YouTube channels that comes up when you Google Japanese miniature cooking uh, and the top video shows somebody making a mini shrimp tempura. Um, so if you're interested in that or you want to check that out, uh, definitely take take that uh, take a look at that. Um, and if you're interested in Japanese miniature cooking or you have an oddly satisfying interest that you'd like to share, uh, you can let me know on Twitter. I have a new Twitter account at obsessive underscore pod. Uh, or you can email me at obsessivepod at gmail.com. So on to the topic of video games. Uh, now, I'll be the first person to tell you that I am not a hardcore gamer. Um, my interests for gaming are pretty varied, um, verging onto the um, into the area of maybe even boring Um depending on what your interests are. Uh, But growing up, my mom was pretty strict about my brother and I not playing violent video games. So first-person shooters are not my strong suit and still today are not my strong suit. Um, But I'd say my gaming career first started when I got a PlayStation 1. Now, growing up, my family also liked to travel a lot and we would often go on cruises and one of our favorite cruise ship pastimes was to play bingo. Uh, And my mom always had a deal with us that if we paid her back for the money that she spent on the card, we could keep the rest of the winnings. Well, one year I won $500. And when we got back home, I used that $500 to buy a PlayStation. Now, I don't remember a ton of the games that I played on the original PlayStation, but my literal brother and I definitely played Wipeout and Tekken. I know those were two of the games that we got um, when we purchased the PlayStation. Uh, but we also played platformers like uh, Spyro and Crash Bandicoot. 
but one of the games that I I remember playing uh, is this crazy game called Tumba, uh, and the the story of the video game is a pig uh, steals this topless pink haired boy's heirloom bracelet. And he has to collect pig bags in order to fight the evil pigs to win his bracelet back. Um, I don't think I ever beat that game, but I still remember the little jingle for the distribution company that would play before the game started. It was like, whoopee. Um, my family also really got into this puzzle game called Bubble Bobble, uh, which I think was a port from the Neo Geo. Um, basically, you control these two little dinosaurs down at the bottom of the screen uh, who could shoot colored bubbles from the bottom of the screen to the top of the screen as part of a match three game. Um, and it's not like a match three game like you might play on your um, phone where you're like sliding or swiping tiles uh, or jewels in the case of Bejeweled, but you're shooting bubbles from the bottom to the top. Um, there was like a continuous version where the bubbles kept forming, uh, from the top of the screen and coming down and you had to pop them, uh, in order to eliminate them from the screen. Uh, but there's also a puzzle mode where you had to use a limited set of bubbles that would kind of come up in the same order, uh, every time you played the level to eliminate all the bubbles on the screen. Um, the music and sound effects were really catchy. Uh, I'll have to see if I can play some of the music here. But it's the first game that I remember my mom uh, getting into. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. I remember her staying up really late um, trying to play that game uh, to try and get to see how far she could get uh, in the levels. Uh, and I won't go through my whole gaming history, but I would like to talk about some games or some franchises that I've come back to time and time again. Uh, I would imagine that you'll see some episodes later on about specific games or specific franchises where I can go into more detail, uh, but I'll just kind of give you a little bit of background into what I'm interested in and some of the games that I kind of keep that obsessive kind of part of my brain kind of keeps coming back to. Um, but the first franchise that I really remember getting hooked on was the NCAA football games. Um, you may be familiar with the NCAA football games or you may not. Um, but for a while, it followed EA's uh, kind of sports game of the year models. Um, but there were basically two main game modes that came back year to year. Uh, the first game mode was where you would take the role of a college football coach and you would play through the games and recruit players in something called dynasty mode, uh, or you could create a player and play through their career in road to glory mode. Uh, the dynasty modes could continue season to season in the future, and you would play for uh, conference championships or national championships, and, and you could win coaching awards. Your players would win individual player awards. They could win the Heisman Trophy. You could play in the national championship game. Uh, but the road to glory mode was usually just four seasons and you only played as that character uh, and their stats would progress and kind of in later versions of the game, you would be able to to call audibles or you'd be able to make changes to plays and what direction it went, things like that. Um, and then eventually you could um, switch schools 
after every season or play as an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator and kind of move your way up um, and in the the kind of uh, ultimate version of the game at the, the very last version of the game uh, you would be able to switch out your offensive and defensive coordinators and, and, and things like that uh, the franchise came to an end after uh, NCAA football 14 because of pending lawsuits over the use of likenesses of college football players. They would use their um, stats and their height and their weight. And uh, even sometimes they would make the players look like them, uh, which kind of ran afoul of the amateurism and of, of the players not being able to benefit from their own likeness. Um, but there's still a really surprisingly active community around the game. Uh, Reddit has a su- subreddit for it called R um, NCAAFB series that has like 10,000 subscribers. Um, so people post highlight videos, they post game recap videos, they post questions and ask for different advice on which sliders to use and, and how to make the game more difficult or more realistic, which is really interesting. Um, and they actually have a pretty active Discord channel. If you're interested in the NCAA football series, um, they still have people who are looking for um online dynasty partners or for people to play in leagues that they have ongoing. So still a pretty active community for that one. Uh, another sports franchise that I really, really love and, and, and kind of keep coming back to and back to is the NHL franchise. Uh, and I remember, um, when I was, I guess, 12, um, 11 or 12 standing in the Toys R Us at one of those, um, PlayStation 2 demos before it was it was getting ready to be released and playing the demo of NHL 2001 uh, which was I think was one of the launch titles for the PlayStation 2 but I was just so floored that you could see the steam coming from their breath as they warmed up for the game and as they were skating around and and um, leaving not permanent but semi-permanent marks on the ice and the Zamboni coming and 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 wiping the the marks off the ice and creating nice smooth beautiful ice um, but since then, I've really gotten into the a specific game mode for the NHL franchise, which is called EASHL. And so EHS, EASHL uh, is an online cooperative multiplayer mode. So each person on a team chooses one position that they're going to play. And unlike the single player game modes, you aren't able to switch back and forth between players. You just have to stick on one player. Um, and you play together against other player-controlled teams. Um, and they have kind of a seasons setup where you uh, play in different divisions based off of a standard kind of advancement and relegation point system. So I think you get two points for a win, you get zero points for a loss, and you get one point for an overtime loss. And so you have a certain number of points that you need to accrue in order to advance to the to the next uh, division um, or a certain number of points that you need to accrue in order to hold at a division. Uh, And if you don't accrue that number of points in 10 games, um, you will actually move down uh, a division. And so I've been playing uh, EASHL with the same group of guys for, I think, four years now. 
Um, we all found each other through Reddit or, or through playing with other teams that fell apart. And we kind of said, hey, let's start our own club um, and have gone year to year to year um, playing with each other. And it's been really cool. We're not the best uh, team by any means, but we consistently play in the top division and we win the kind of monthly tournament style or tournament mode that they have um, open up every month. But it's been really cool to get to to know these guys who are from all over North America. We have um, uh, some of us who are on the East Coast, some of us who are in the in the mountain um, time zone, um, uh, people in in Canada and other parts of the United States. so it's been really cool to get to know those guys. And since we've been playing together, some of us have graduated from college. Some of us have gotten married. Some of us have had kids. Uh, so it's turned into this really uh, cool online friendship that I've really enjoyed getting to know these guys um, personally, uh, as, as well as playing NHL online with them. Um, so it's one of those situations, maybe not something where we played games and like we were in each other's weddings or anything like that. Um, but it, it does feel like a group of guys that, uh, are, are pretty close friends. So that's that I've really enjoyed that piece of it. Um, another franchise that I've loved is the Katamari series. Now this is a kind of a series. If you're into weird Japanese games or quirky games or games that might not fit into a specific category, the original game is called Katamari Damacy and it came out for the PlayStation two in 2004. And it's really hard to sum up the plot, but the, the basics of it are that the King of the cosmos destroys the universe and it's up to you, his son, the prince, to recreate the stars and the planets in the universe. And the way that you recreate the stars is you take a small ball, your Katamari, you roll it around, and stuff will stick to it. And as stuff sticks to it, your Katamari gets larger. And the larger your Katamari gets, the larger the things you can pick up. Uh, on some levels, you start really, really small by picking up really small objects like uh, paper clips and sticks of gum. Uh, and then as you roll, you continue and you can pick up bigger things like like building blocks and dolls and um, uh, like little garden trowels and things like that. And eventually you can get big enough to pick up people or cars or even whole countries. Um, the uh, PlayStation 2 game, the very original game, is a little bit limited in the size that you can get up to. Um, and there, but there's been a few games across the different platforms. Um, Katamari Forever is the most recent non-handheld console game, which came out for the PlayStation 3. Uh, that game has a ton of content that you can play through. It has different um, levels from past Katamari games. It has new levels that haven't been included in any games before. Um, and it has different modes that you can play them in. I think it has like a, a regular mode and a speed mode and things like that. Um, in, in that game, uh, there are certain special constellations that you have to put together, uh, where you roll up things of a specific category. Uh, there's one where you're making, uh, I can't remember what the name of the constellation, but it's a cow and you have to roll your ball up and continue rolling it up, avoiding cows or cow themed objects. And 
you're judged based on the largest cow or cow themed object that you can roll up. And it gets really difficult as you get larger because you can kind of accidentally run into really little things. Like for example, a a cow printed, um, traffic cone. Uh, and that is, is what it counts as your cow thing, uh, in order to be judged for that level. Um, the original game, Katamari Damacy, was just re-released for the Switch as a game called Katamari Damacy Reroll. Uh, if you're interested in that game, there's like a huge amount of um, uh, replayability um, just because you find like new ways to do things or different things that you've never picked up before uh, or different um, levels that you haven't quite gotten to yet. But other than the insane storyline, one of the best parts of the Katamari game is the soundtrack. Uh, if you like relaxing lounge music that makes very little sense uh, and is sung in both English and Japanese, uh, look up Katamari Roll, you, you Up Into My Life on YouTube. Um, I'll try and play a clip of it here. Dabba, dabba. That is just like a really fun song. It is this very cool, loungy kind of vibe with the singer singing in English, but um, kind of poorly translated English. Um, But one of the lyrics is, I want to roll you up into my life. Let's roll up to be a single star in the sky. Um, So (laughs) kind of a weird... uh, lounge backtracking music there but uh definitely a lot of fun if you really enjoy like kind of weird quirky games um but the last game that i'll talk about today is one that i mentioned in the first episode and will definitely be back for uh later on is called factorio and my wife uh, listened to the first episode and let me know that i wasn't totally clear in the first episode about how much of the game that i played In that episode, I said I had played 30 hours into the game, uh, but what I had meant was that I had played 30 hours into my most recent save. Um, Looking on Steam, in in the whole game, I have a total of 447 hours. Uh, which is nowhere near the level of some other players uh, who have hundreds more or even thousands of hours into the game. Uh, But if it tells you how addicting the game is, uh, its nickname online is Cracktorio. So anyways, uh, Factorio is a resource management slash automation game. Uh, When you start out, you're kind of dropped into this world and you have a few items that you're given. Uh, It's a procedurally generated world, but it's uh, an isometric view. So kind of similar to the old um, SimCity games where you're kind of seeing it as 2D, but you can move around in kind of three dimensions. Um, But when you start, there's five base resources that you kind of start focusing on, which is wood that you can get from trees. Um, And then there's coal, iron, copper, and stone. And the coal, iron, copper, and stone can be mined by hand, or you can uh, use those resources 
to make new tools that help you automate the gathering process. Um, so you can make uh, miners to mine resources. Um, you can make these arms called inserters to pick up and move resources and then transport belts to move resources from one area to another. It's like a little conveyor belt. Uh, eventually you create factories that automate the tool making process and you kind of go on from there. Um, there's these really big technology tree that you can, you, that you can research, uh, you create these little, um, beaker shaped things called science packs and the science packs, um, take certain tools uh, that you put into a factory in order to make the science pack. And it takes X number of science packs to unlock the new technology, which gives you access to new items or, or new tools or, or, or new objects that you can make. Uh, but you also have to generate the electricity that's needed to power all of those tools and buildings. And so you kind of get to this point uh, in the game and then you start to search and search and search and then you unlock the new technology and then you kind of continue on through another process. So obviously the availability of the resources and the electricity needed to power the tools and factories are limiting factors, but there's also uh, enemies in the game called biters who come to destroy your stuff. Uh, and as your factory grows, you emit more and more pollution. Um, there's different technologies that emit more pollution than others. So sometimes your um, power facilities um, take a lot of resources, but also emit a lot of pollution, but you can develop other power, uh, making technologies, including, uh, solar panels and eventually, um, nuclear power that emit less, um, that emit less pollution. Um, but as your factory grows and you emit more and more pollution, it causes the biters to grow and evolve. Uh, and they have little bases that they make that develop more biters. Um, and if the pollution reaches those bases, uh, they'll send biters to your factory to destroy your stuff. So not only are you trying to defend your factory as it grows, you're also trying to go on the offensive to destroy the bases. Uh, and that process can kind of lead to, to a long uh, drawn out um, process, which again, takes up more resources because you're using bullets, which um, need iron. And eventually you have different types of bullets you can make and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the goal of the game is to research your way through the technology tree until you can build a rocket and launch it into space. And the rocket itself requires requires a bunch of end game resources that you unlock through the process of building your factory and unlocking all of those different technologies. Um, the nice thing is that there is a ton of um, game custom customization options that you have. Um, you can increase or decrease the resource richness and the size of the resource patches and the density of the resources. So you either have to extend your factory out, um, using railroad tracks and, and the railroad, the, um, trains carry resources from those areas back to your main base, or you can make the, the resources really dense, uh, and really rich so that you don't have to travel very far. You can toggle the enemies on or off, or you can toggle the, the enemy growth or enemy evolution on and off. Uh, and then there's tons of mods that make the game hugely replayable. Um, so if it sounds like something that you may be interested in, it's definitely, I think worth, uh, the money, and obviously I've gotten several hundred hours out of
out of it so far uh, and probably will have a lot into it um, in the future. Right now, uh, I'm playing through a save using a this big mod called C-Block. So C-Block is a mod in and of itself, but it also requires a bunch of other mods in order to play it. Uh, which add a bunch of resource trees and different technologies uh, that are way beyond the base game. Um, And essentially it drops you onto a very small island in the middle of the ocean. uh, And you have to, through unlocking all of these different technologies, add land to the island and add power. And you really, at the beginning of the game, have to manage your um, power output to the resources that you're creating uh, and eventually you extend beyond the island and, and it gets really crazy really fast uh, some people don't like it because it's pretty grindy um, I don't mind the grind in a game like this uh, I'm pretty determined to beat it I'm, I'm kind of in the early mid game um, where I've, I've kind of got my power consumption down and I'm, I'm generating enough power to create the things that I want. But now I'm getting into all of these um, elements and gases that I'm having to create and figuring out how do I unlock all of the stuff. And, and it, it gets pretty wild pretty fast. Um, but if any of these games are games that you're currently obsessing over or if you've obsessed over other games uh, and you want to let me know about them, please, please, please reach out to me on Twitter. Uh, Again, that's at obsessive underscore pod or email me at obsessivepod at gmail.com. Make sure you rate and subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I think we're up on Stitcher now, up on Spotify, uh, lots of places to access the podcast. But make sure you subscribe or favorite the podcast um, so you know whenever new episodes come out. I'm planning on having them come out on Mondays or Tuesdays. It depends on on, on how things go with, uh, some things that I have going on, but thank you so much again for listening. Uh, and I hope you have a great day.